Fangraphs Audio. I'm Carson Sestouli. In this edition of Fangraphs Audio, we continue the experiment that we started with Dane Perry a couple days ago, which involves mostly me calling up Fangraphs writers and harassing them for approximately 15 minutes. Today I harass Bradley Woodrum of Fangraphs and also Cubs Stats and D-Rays Bay. We discuss the Cubs at length. I quiz Bradley about the top prospects in the NL East, really apropos of nothing. And finally, Bradley tells us a little bit about the program known as Tableau. Real nerdy discussion right now on Fangraphs Audio. Hello. Hey, Bradley Woodrum. How are you doing, Carson? This is Carson Sestouli for Fangraphs Audio. Uh, Bradley, are you aware that we're, we're recording immediately? Yes, that's that's what you sort of intimated to me. Yeah, I intimated it pretty explicitly. Yes, the, sorry, uh, I shouldn't have answered hello, Carson, I guess. No, 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 that's fine. This is totally professional. Good. How are you doing, Bradley? I'm doing very well, thank you very much. The Chicago Cubs are undergoing the most amazing dramatic change in their 100-plus years of history, and it's an exciting time to be living in Chicago. It's good that they're undergoing change precisely because they've been sad the last couple of years. Would that be accurate? I would say they've been sad for the last century. <laughs> and you haven't even been alive that long. Uh, not according to public records, no. I've been only alive for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a couple of years. In fact, Bradley mm-hmm. Woodrum is a baby. <laughs> or he was born on uh, a leap year, February 30th. Or 29th, no. however you want to. No. One of those days. And he's only a couple years because of the way that leap year works. I'm not sure that that's, that's exactly how it works. Well, Brad, it's interesting that you mentioned that with regard to the Cubs. And you're right, that's mm-hmm. not how it works uh, in terms of leap year. You are a person who writes for a website called Cub Stats. Yes. Yeah. And, so, and you also live in Chicago. That's also true. Yes, that is true. Have we talked about... Uh, what neighborhood precisely in Chicago, or is that sort of information you wouldn't care to divulge to? Well, I've actually publicly announced my neighborhoods every time I've moved. Uh, presently, I'm living in Bridgeport, actually like six blocks away from the White Sox Stadium. Oh, okay, so you're way down south. Not way down south. Oh, all right. Well, then I don't yeah. understand Chicago's geography very well, but I do know that they're frequently referred to as the south side team. Yes, it is on the south side, but it's considered near south side. Uh, so, like, for example, do if you I live... was feeling adventurous, I could walk downtown. It would just take like 45 minutes to an hour. That's not crazy long, I guess. No, no. I would I'm guess like two you, stops away. you would walk a mile in about 15 minutes, I guess. That would be an intense walk, but yeah, I, I, I could jog a mile in 15 minutes, maybe. No, you could do you could do better than that, Brad. Given the images I've seen of you, you seem to be like a you seem to be a rather fit person. Oh yeah, I'm very good with Photoshop. Oh. That's what what you wanted to say. No, you always look like an athletic because uh, in one you're throwing a baseball. Yeah. And in another you have a mohawk and some sort of athletic jacket. Yes, I actually, uh, I played football for 11 years and uh, in college I was on the Jacksonville University rowing team and I'm very proud of that. Uh, So yeah, I've been athletic and and, uh, in graduate school I started playing baseball with local baseball leagues and stuff like that, so... Uh, yeah, I, I would consider myself athletic, but I don't know. I, I don't know about my walking speed. I've never actually timed myself. Mm. Are you one of those people who believes that your body is a temple? Yes, I do believe that. Yeah. Like, how big of a temple? I mean, like, 
doesn't seem like a lot of people could pray inside of it or whatever. So just well, a small I would say temple. I've been expanding the, as they call it, the nave of the temple, oh. the the midsection. I've been, you know, there a few people could fit in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's stop talking about that. Let's talk about Theo Epstein. He is okay. now. Uh, he recently signed a contract. Uh, I think a five-year contract uh, with the Cubs to be there. Uh, maybe not precisely their GM. His exact title is something like President of Baseball Operations. Okay, right. And he's also brought in Jed Hoyer uh, and other guy. Uh, Jason McLeod. Okay, McLeod. right. Former uh, colleagues of his and really underlings of his with the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Epstein obviously did great things with Boston. Do you think that in this in this particular case the cost um, and we don't know we don't know necessarily know what the compensation is yet, but do you do you sort of feel like the, this move and maneuver by uh, owner Tom Ricketts um, is a positive one? I think honestly the curse of the Chicago Cubs has been bad ownership and bad management, and this is the first time they've progressively moved away from that. And I think this is the single most important move in the Cubs history. And if it costs them a prospect, that's a that's a bummer. Uh, but I, I get the feeling that because Epstein is actually probably going to be hands-on in that negotiation for his own trade, uh, that, that it's actually going to work out reasonably well, maybe a, a mid-level prospect or somebody who, who could be a, a starter's a huge high ceiling or anything like that, which is a bummer to lose that kind of uh, that that kind of um, uh, that asset to your franchise, but at the same time, uh, Epstein is bringing in not just himself, but he's bringing in a front office that can do so much more than just one man. So it's it's exciting times. Right, and I had heard uh, initially some bigger names like um, Brett Jackson, I guess, but it seems like it probably won't require Brett Jackson. Is that right? Or Trey McNutt? I also heard. Yeah, Trey McNutt and Brett Jackson are probably both off the table. Uh, personally, I wouldn't mind McNutt going, but I really think that that would be an unfair trade in all respects. Uh, but we, we had to also, for Jed Hoyer, who actually came over and is the de facto GM now, or not even de facto, but the actual in-name GM as well, uh, Hoyer was traded from the Padres, because he still had another year under his contract as well, for a minor leaguer not on the 40-man roster to be named later. So it's not like somebody who is necessarily considered a major component of the Cubs franchise, but at the same time, with the Red Sox, there was no agreement set in place for whether it would be a 40-man roster player or not. So they were looking at even the major league roster, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Cubs end up sending someone like Jeff Baker on a really low-level prospect because... Uh, Baker can be useful, but he's not useful to a Cubs team that's still going to be in the 70-win territory next year. So it could be a trade that works for both teams pretty well. Okay. And, and you think that ultimately the the, the cost is uh, justified by the fact that Theo Epstein is going to change the culture uh, of the of the team? Yeah, I mean, it may not be an actual even trade. For if you're looking at like true talent levels and effects on the team, because I mean, if they didn't get Epstein, the next uh, he was basically number two on the list, number one or two. I mean, tied basically with Andrew Friedman, but Andrew Friedman seems locked in. So it, the next general manager down wouldn't have been too much worse necessarily than Epstein, but 
at the same time, Epstein had these connections that other GMs or presidents of baseball operations wouldn't necessarily have had. So it's hard to say exactly the impact of that. Long In the long term, though, I don't think we're going to miss a single prospect over gaining Epstein and the long-term sustainability he's going to set in place for our franchise for years to come. Now, what are the other names uh, happen to have been the, uh, the guy that we got to meet, the Fangraphs writers got to meet um, in March in Arizona? That was Rick Hahn. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, he seems like a really smart guy, uh, but do you think that it would have been – and he would have come cheaper – and that's the thing, yeah. Rick Hahn is an assistant GM for the White Sox right now. He, I don't think he would be much of a step down from Theo Epstein, in all, in all honesty. So if they had gotten him instead, then maybe they don't even send compensation at all. It's hard to say. So it's 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 a it's a tricky situation. It's tough because if you if you look at the fact that it's a sunk cost, then it doesn't matter what prospect we send really because it's going to ultimately work in the favor of the Cubs. But if you think about the opportunity cost of not getting a cheaper GM necessarily, then yeah, there are some there are some problems there. But in the long run, uh, we knew that Ricketts wanted somebody who had experience in baseball operations at the highest level and someone who who could be an architect. And uh, for as brilliant as Han, for all report sounds to be he had he doesn't actually been a top level gm like he has been for the last you know decade really with the red sox so you can understand uh, uh ricketts was willing to pay a premium basically for that and as a large market team the cubs are going to be pay- paying premiums like the red sox and yankees can afford to do so it makes a little bit more sense i guess okay uh mike quade uh was just uh, the cubs literally just announced Minutes ago, we're recording this. Yes. Uh, just a little after 1 p.m. No, just a little after 2 p.m. Central Time. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. It seems like it wouldn't make a big deal to me, uh, but maybe it makes a big deal. I don't know because we've just seen Tony La Russa retire, and mm-hmm. for all of his bizarre tactical decisions, he won a lot of games. Mm-hmm. And so perhaps there's something to the fact that. Uh, you know that, that a manager has some effect that we don't know about. I think that exists. A manager probably has, mm-hmm. certainly has an effect that we don't, we can't measure. The question is, I guess, uh, what that what that quality is, and the the second thing is to what degree, like to what it, what does it mean in terms of wins? Um, did you like Quade, and are you excited or have any hunches about his replacement? Well, I was from the very get go. I was suspicious of Quade. Uh, one of the the selling points on his resume was that he led the team to a lot of wins after Lou Pinella suddenly retired last year. But when you actually look at the the games that he was winning, he was winning a lot of one-run games, and the Cubs up to that point, up to the Quaddy era, had the, I think it was like the fifth worst one-run one game record in baseball history, like going back to the 1800s. So they went from an absolute outlier to slightly more normal during Quaddy's regime, so that that gave Quaddy more favor, and that's what Jim Henry basically hired him on the merit of that last little bit of the season. But beyond that, Quaddy was a very old school kind of manager. I personally won't miss him a whole lot. I, I thought his interviews were a little strange, <laughs> and I thought his bullpen management and his decision making on lineups and stuff were no better than Lou Pinella's, and Lou Pinella was very frustrating for me. Uh, so I, I'm going to say that no matter what, this is going to be a positive move because quality doesn't fit with the Epstein model. So if nothing else, it reduces the tension in the clubhouse. 
at the same time, though, I really feel like there are a lot of good manager candidates out there. But it's not going to really matter because the Cubs are going to be kind of terrible this coming year, I think. Oh, right. So, yeah, it may not be a very fun managerial position to have for 2012. Exactly. So I, I honestly would not be surprised if they go and look for a Joe Madden-esque kind of guy because Joe Madden came to the Rays in 2006 or 2005 maybe uh, when the team was still really god-awful. And what he did was basically he, he had a lot of experience in the minor leagues, so he helped young guys sort of get used to the major league you know, pace and the major league way. And uh, when the team actually got crazy good, they also had this manager who was basically working everything off of Tom Tango's book. So that was a huge benefit to have that progressively analytical guy who had that minor league experience in there. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go after somebody like that. My personal favorite is Dave Martinez, the bench coach for the Rays right now under Joe Madden. But it's hard to say. Uh, it, you know, when you're a, a writer and you're on the outside like this, you don't get a chance to ever really dig, you know, pick these guys' brains so much unless you're writing like a, a biopic on them or something or a book. And when you don't get that chance to really get to know them, you don't really know how progressive or analytical they are. Right. You don't want to. You don't get a chance to pick their brains. Yes. Right. Uh, last thing with regard to the Cubs, um, the uh, uh, the third baseman Aramis uh, Ramirez uh, mm-hmm. looks like he's likely gone. The the Cubs exercised their half of a mutual option. Uh, Aramis Ramirez declined his. Mm-hmm. The replacements, again, you mentioned that the team is likely to be bad this year. The most clear, likely internal replacements are Josh Vitters or maybe Marquez Smith, I mm-hmm. think. Maybe DJ LeMahieu, if that's a person's mm-hmm. name. Maybe <laughs> can you handicap them and then maybe also give us a, an idea of who, who might come in from the outside. Vitters, uh, from my understanding, is still kind of young and still not really progressed where they want him to to be at the major league level just yet. And so in the long term, I think it actually makes more sense to let him season a little bit more in the minors because he could be a very big impact player with with more time. So why start his clock now when the team is not that great? I personally would like to see Marquez Smith because... You say Marquez or Marquez? You know, I I read his name. I don't really hear it. I do know it's Aramis Ramirez, though, not Aramis or... What did I say? I, I'm not sure. It didn't sound right, though. Oh. It could just be the Wisconsin accent. I don't live. I do live in Wisconsin, but I'm not a Wisconsinite. No, you are now. You live there. Well, I know you I, try I, to think I, your far eastern roots, but it's it's hopeless. How long do you think it takes to establish, like a? I mean, it's, I think it's a question of willingness, but I mm-hmm. I don't know that I am a Wisconsin. I mean, I don't feel. I don't, I'm not sure that people with although Wisconsinites they they really don't harbor much in the way of uh, resentment so they would probably, if I said I'm a Wisconsinite they'd probably accept it Well, I mean, if you put a teaspoon of sewage into a Coca-Cola is it sewage or is it Coca-Cola at that point? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Well, it depends how nuanced you want to be, right? Because you could say (laughs) it's it's 90% Coca-Cola with 10% sewage Okay, well then I would say you're 90% Nor'eastern still Okay, but you think a, a little bit. I do like the sporting culture here. I don't know to what degree you're aware of what it's like in in Wisconsin, but they're very friendly people and very it's, spirited. All I know is that it's just like crazy cold up there. Well, it's kind of the same as Chicago. 
I haven't gone out, outside in days. I don't know what it's like. That here. is not shocking to me. <laughs> yeah, just for knowing you. Okay, uh, so you like Marquez Smith or Mark? Well, West? here's the deal with Marquez Smith is that he's I've heard fielder. mixed reports. He's, he's a great on fielder. His, yeah, yeah, I've heard mixed reports though, so I would like to see him at the major league level so we get like UZR data on him. I imagine though the the Cubs at this point don't have minor league like a super efficient fielding data because the previous regime was so backwards uh, analytically. So it would be great to see him at the major league level so they could start calling fielding data on him immediately and get a good feel for what he's worth. He's been up and down with the bat. Uh, there's a chance that he could just be kind of replacement level with a bat, which is kind of scary. But at the same time, there is the chance that he could be a legitimate, you know, av- league average third baseman. And that would be a nice little thing to have on the bench uh, when the Cubs actually turn to be good. DJ LeMahieu, I've heard reports about him being a possible second baseman replacement for the player who I believe is replacement level in Darwin Barney. I like Barney's defense. I don't love it like most people do, but his bat is just so atrocious that he needs to be a bench player uh, for a winning team. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, um, that's a lot of news already. I want to do one thing, though, with you, Bradley. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do a qui- oh, just a brief quiz. This is this marks the okay. first in Fangraphs Audio history, uh, now at episode 92, I believe, um, but changing wow. all the time. Uh, I've just... Literally minutes ago, when I, uh, as I walked in the door, I picked up uh, my new Baseball America, my new issue of Baseball America, mm-hmm. and it has the top ten prospect list for the NL East teams. And I don't necessarily expect you to mm-hmm. have much expertise, but we'll say that you're a smart baseball guy, right? We'll mm-hmm. say that. And um, what I'm going to quiz you on is to see, of the five teams in the NL East, how many of the number one prospects you can guess, starting with, okay. starting with the Florida Marlins. They're pretty tough. This one's pretty tough. Boy, I'm not sure I'm going to know a Florida Marlins prospect. You may not even know, like, three names on the entire list. Yeah. Can I get the Nationals now? Yeah, go for that. Bryce Harper. Okay, so one for one, including the okay. Nationals. And then what else have we gotten there? Uh, is Gordon Brown considered a prospect still? No, he's the former um, prime minister of England. Oh, uh, the the guy with the last name Brown who plays for the <laughs> for, for the uh, Phillies. Oh, the Phillies, Dominic Brown. Dominic Brown. Uh, uh, no, I no, the, yeah, I don't think he is. No, no, you're not going to get that one. Yeah. No, that's that's hopeless. It's really uh, I, this is tough. I, I mean, I love prospects, and but this is like a whole new list to get used to. I really only recognize Justin DeFreitas and Philippe Beaumont on the Phillies list. No, it's Trevor May for them. Trevor May. Trevor May, no. No idea. Signed I don't in, recognize him, so he's not a real prospect. No, he's not a real Right, right. <laughs> he actually may not be a real prospect. Their, their prospect system, I don't know what it's rated, but mm. it's, not, it's not looking good. So that's one for two. Yeah. Uh, New York Mets, you have a chance of getting. I really wish it was my uh, former college co-student, I don't know what you'd call colleague, yeah. uh, Pierre? Daniel Murphy. College I went, I went to, Sorry? College peer? Classmate? Yeah, college peer. Classmate? Yeah, my class... There we go. Yeah. That's the word. Yeah. <laughs> my classmate, Daniel Murphy. But it's he's not, not a prospect anymore. No, he's and not. And he never really was much of a prospect. But he could be a great second baseman nonetheless. And I'm well, very great, excited about great that. Great is Go-J. overreaching, I bet, but decent. And hell of a guy, I bet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
I never met him, but I watched him play when I was in college, so that was fun. Um, the New York Mets top prospect. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Okay. He was acquired in the Carlos Beltran trade from the from the San Francisco Giants. Am I allowed to, like? No, you can't touch your computer. Okay. Any more illicitly uh, than disgustingly than you're already touching it. Well, that's what that's what makes me a good writer is diligent research. Yeah. Okay. So you're not going to get this one either, but but that's fine. Cause Who it's is stuff. it? Zach Wheeler, right-handed pitcher. Oh God, that's a name I actually do recognize. What yeah, yeah I knew you would recognize it. So you're what one for three? This is tough. This, this is, is tough. tough. I'm glad you tried this on me first. Yeah, I don't think anyone else. I mean, Dane Perry would get zero of these, so you're already beating him. Uh, yes. The Marlins are Christian Yelich or Yelich. That's a familiar name, but I, I, I really know so little. I don't even know if he's a fielder or a pitcher. He's a. He looks like he's a left-handed out, uh, batting outfielder. Uh, hmm. He's very. He's he's very. He has long levers. <laughs> that's not disgust. That's not gross. That's an actual <laughs> scouting term. I hope so. Yeah, it is. And then last, what is the what is the last one here? Trevor May, we did. Zach Wheeler, we did. Braves. Oh, right, the Braves. The Braves, mm-hmm. you have a decent chance at. Oh, boy. <sighs> this guy pitched in the majors this year. Oh, oh. It's not their reliever, is it? Uh, no, you're thinking maybe of Aradis Viscaino or Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, those guys were ridiculously good. So it's not either of them. Um, I was thinking of Kimbrell. Oh, boy. I was just looking at their pitching stats, too. I, I, I'm I, not going to know his name. I'm going to recognize I'll it. I'll give you a hint. It sounds a little bit like a Middle Eastern city. His last name sounds oh. a lot, or actually kind of a lot like a Middle Eastern city. Jerusalem. Yeah, that's his last name. Is it really? No. Julio, oh. Julio Tehran. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I get that now. Yeah. I actually haven't heard of his name. So man. you did terribly, Bradley. I did. I did awful. But I'm no good can, with. Suspects. You can redeem yourself, though. Uh, last thing we'll talk about. Uh, how do you? What is that Tableau program you use, and what relevance does that have to nerds? You you Tableau. you inserted a cool uh, graph using it. Yeah, I just recently put up. Uh, we uh, Dave and who who helped Dave build that free agent. Uh, Brandon uh, Warren or Warna. I don't know how to yeah, say his last name. I don't know. I've, I've never actually spoken these names out loud before, so this no. is a whole new experience. But, yeah, he and Brandon Warren put together the, the free agent uh, leaderboard, which is just so phenomenal. And so I went ahead and took some of that data and threw it into Tableau. Tableau is a very interesting program that uh, I believe Justin Bopp at baseball, uh, between the box scores, uh, really alerted me to because uh, he was making these great interactive charts essentially with tableau tableau is a free program uh and you can freely upload your stuff i don't know how on earth they're making money or what they're doing it's probably run by al-qaeda or something but it's it's an awesome program it allows it allows you to basically make your data really work for the people that you're trying to 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 bring it to so there can be a couple difficulties in that and sometimes it's hard to focus like if you're trying to use the data to show something, to show this is true or that is true, it doesn't work so great for that. A lot of times you're you're better off using a static chart. Um, but for using it just so that you have a uh, you can release a tool so people can play with that that is it, there's I've not encountered something nearly as as interactive or awesome as that. Google Docs has got some good 
embeddable stuff, but it's not nearly as interactive as Tableau, and I'm very excited about Tableau. Okay, and we're very excited about uh, this edition of Fangraphs Audio, but we should say goodbye, Bradley. Um, All right. I think this has been a this has been, it's gone a little bit longer than I wanted, so I'll probably I'm sorry. just I'll probably just cut out the first 22 or so minutes. That's fine. Okay. All the parts about me talking about my body. That's fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. So so people are, will be listening to the edited version of this, but but Brad did a, a sort of I would say inch by inch description of his body. <laughs> <laughs> but that won't be that won't make it. That's on the cutting room floor. <laughs> as it were. Uh, but thanks, Brad. And we should definitely do this again. Uh, definitely. Hopefully, make you part of a permanent rotation. Sounds good. Okay, take care, sir. You too. All right, bye.